You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. This is a sermon from our series, A Better Way. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. I just kind of a big heads up for the next three weeks. We're going to take a little break from this current series, and we kind of have three uh, weeks of what we're calling kind of Go Sundays. Next Sunday, or being the church Sundays, next Sunday we're going to kind of talk about, uh, I'll speak for briefly, but we're inviting, I think we've invited 12 of our kind of local ministry partners to be here. Just things that, that we uh, engage with in the community, um, just different ministries. And they're going to be here out front, and we're going to have a couple of them on stage just kind of sharing what's going on. Just so you can see what so many people are in our church are doing in this, in this local community. We keep it lean here. Because we want you engaged in the community with these kind of things. And so we want to present these things and opportunities for you guys. And so that's next week. The following week, Beulah Baptist is coming. Um, all right, so if some of you remember those guys. Uh, Pastor Lee is going to preach, and he's bringing his whole congregation. They're bringing their choir. All right, a choir is, for those of you who don't know, a choir is singers on stage. Okay, so we got them. And they're kind of a gospel choir, so we're going to jam with them. Here's what you need to know before that. That's two weeks. You need to learn some of you. Pastor, Pastor Lee, you have to talk to him when he's preaching. If you don't talk to him, he's not going to talk to you. So you got to get engaged, some of you. Get a good night's sleep. You got to be, amen is a good word for him. Preach it, keep going, whatever. So you just need to get ready for that because he's going to bring it. All right? So he's coming the 21st, and then the 28th, we're celebrating baptism. So we got three Sundays of kind of kind of cool stuff, exciting stuff coming up. And then we'll jump back in on the back end and we'll talk about parenting and, and some other things with this series. Um, if you're new or visiting, what typically we do is we'll open a book of the Bible. The Bible's made up of 66 different books. And we'll start at the beginning of one and we'll work our way through it, right? And it takes three months, six months, whatever that is. That's typically what we do. But once in a while, there's a topic that's kind of significant enough for us as a church to kind of break away from that and just kind of deep dive on it a little bit. And so we've been in a series, we've called it A Better Way. And it's ultimately, it's a series where we're talking about redeeming biblical sexuality. And I know that seems like, whoa, it's first Sunday here, right? Um, and that's, uh, you're welcome, right? But for us, it's not, it's a discipleship issue. We're not trying to be sensationalized. We're not trying to be hip. It's a, it's a big issue. And so we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks um, and, and we had some guiding principles for us that we started with, that God is good, that God's design is good, and that God's authority is good. And we find life when we put ourselves under the authority of God. We think we're, when we think we're kind of acting the way we want and being free, we actually find ourselves enslaved to sin. And so we use those as our guiding principles, and we've worked through all sorts of things, intimacy and marriage and all these things. And, and last week, Clint did a great job unpacking the woman at the well and just talking about, what about brokenness? What, where do we go if we failed? And so if you weren't here and you get a chance to listen to that, I'd get online and, and kind of listen to that and be encouraged by that. Today we're going to speak to a big topic for us as a church, um, one that is, I think, very relevant in our culture and, and dealing with this. And it's, I, I'm going to specifically address singles and dating, right? So if your boyfriend invited you to church this week, you're like, oh, this is why, right? right? Um, and, and, and here's why that's important for us. In our church, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but if you include like middle school, high school, college, young adults, singles make up pretty much 40, 45% of our church probably, right? 
Uh, big percentage, which is actually good, y'all. That's a very good thing. And so we want to address just some of the issues related to this, and I want to give you some help. All right, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't say I was going to help you find a spouse. That's on you. Um, but I, I do want to give some guidance um, and, and a couple caveats. Number one, if you're married and you're like, well, great, I woke up early and came to church. There's nothing for me. All right. Number one, hush. Okay. Number two, we are a family and the family's responsibility is to one another. And you need to know how you can encourage those folks who are living in singleness right now or who are single again. Or you probably have kids. You're like, my kids are gone. Well, you will have grandkids. Well, I don't like them. Well, fine, leave. I mean, you know, whatever. But the point is this. It's not all about you. All right? Uh, and I will have some things for us at the end for those who are married and kind of out of that season. If you're single, a couple things. Number one, I will not be able to say everything there is to say about singleness and dating. What I'm going to do is open a, can of, a bunch of can of worms that I'm not going to close. And I don't want an email. Um, it is my job, I'm, I told you before, I'm like Home Depot. You can do it, we can help. I'll open the can of worms and you go do the digging. You work hard at this. Don't, I don't need to hold your hand through this. I'll give you the principles and some things, to, some guidance. Get into some community and let's go. That's what we do. We have lazy Christianity where we like, expect me to do it all. I'll do my part, but you got to do your part, right? So that's, that's where we're going. And, and understand, I want you to have young adults, singles, middle school, high schoolers, an open mind. Y'all pride yourself, younger generation, of being open-minded. Have an open mind today, right? Because some of the things, we don't realize how influenced by the culture we are. And I'm not saying we're going to go back and be Amish and, you know, Little House on the Prairie at CBC. That's not what we're doing. But I am saying that some of the things that we bought into as a culture uh, and, and, and have put in the church are very culturally influenced and they're not helping us. Because this idea, like here's the idea of our culture. So we date someone with six months, nine months, whatever, two years, we break up, connect, break up, connect, break up, connect, break up. And then all of a sudden we eat some cake and somebody says a magical prayer and it's supposed to be like different now. And this idea of getting hyper-connected and breaking apart, it's, it's influencing our marriages, right? And, and if we're honest, if I ask most of the singles or many of the single agains or whatever, how's dating going in our culture? They're going to tell me it's not going well. But some of our marriages aren't going well either. So we need to get on the front end of this deal. If our marriages are going to be strong, our dating culture needs to be strong, right? If you're looking for a formula, I ain't got one. If you want to kiss dating goodbye, that's fine. You want to call it something super spiritual, super Christian, we don't date in church, we court. Fine, call it what you want. I don't care. It's all the same to me, right? But what we want to do is we want to have some clarity on where we're going, all right? We don't want the church getting all loud and mean because that's what the church does and we get on all CNN and Fox News little, little bits and like, we, no, we're talking about these things because we want to have some clarity and I want to give you guys four or five principles that kind of apply to your life as, as it, it's fit. This is kind of more of a wisdom talk, okay? So usually it's a sermon. This is a wisdom talk. I don't know what that means, but it's different. All right, so just so let's just jump in. I'm going to give you four big ideas. Parents, you can write these down. We're going to we're going to get on a couple weeks talk to parents specifically as well. So we'll get a little bit deeper in this. But here's just some some four big pieces. Here's number one principle: singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. Why do you say that? Because the Bible says that. So Paul says this: I wish all were as I myself I. Right? What is he saying? He, I wish all were single, like me. But each has his own what? Gift. So marriage is good. It is a gift. Guess what? Singleness is good. Is it a gift? 
This is the same thing Jesus says. The disciples are like, man, Jesus makes a hard statement. He's like, man, they're like, it's better not to get married then. And Jesus says, not everyone can receive this. Only to those who it's been what? Given. It's a gift. And, and, and that's important for me to say because we approach singleness in the church, whether we know it or not, with this like, sing, oh, he's single. Aww. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with him? Did he not go to college? Does he smell? Right? That we, that's how we approach it. Like, if you're, if you're single, there's something wrong with you. And we laugh because it's true. That's what we think. And that, the Bible says exactly opposite. The Bible says, no, no. If you, if you are in the season of singleness, whether it's I'm in high school, I'm college, I'm 29, I'm 47, whatever. God says, hey, that, that could be a gift. And we've got to stop thinking of it in terms of what it's not. Instead, think about what it is. Right? What it is. And let, not, let that be our identity, whether married, single. Because this is what we do. We have the ability as humans to get wrapped up in all sorts of things. Our economic status, our ethnic status, what job we have, where we're from. And those things become our identity. And they become idols. And so the church has made marriage an idol. Something God created good. Something that's supposed to picture the gospel. And we've turned it into an idol. Kids, we've turned them into idols. This is what we do. We take God's good gifts and we turn them into something that's too great. And so we need to guard our heart from that. We need to stop with the nonsense of saying things like, and it sounds so spiritual, the highest calling in your life is to be a mother. No, it's not. The highest calling of your life is to be follower of Jesus. And the highest calling of your life is not to be a husband. If that's the case, Jesus lived 33 and a half years not as a husband. Now, he will be a husband to the church, but he's not yet, right? The engagement process is still going on. And so the idea that, that parenting or marriage is the highest calling for you, no, that may be a gift that God has given you, but it's not the highest. The highest is following Christ. And we need to, singles, you need to know that, that you are valued and you are not second-class citizen, and there ain't nothing wrong with you, Right? I mean, there may be something wrong with you, but not because you're single, all right, okay? You might be a Georgia fan. I don't know. That could be wrong. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. You guys will live, right? And, and so singleness, here's what I want you to, I want to give you two, two reasons that Paul says, hey, actually, singleness is an advantage for you. High school students, college students, 47-year-olds, 63-year-olds, right? Actually, there's an advantage. He gives two in 1 Corinthians 7. He says this, if you do marry, you haven't sinned. And if a betrothed woman, an engaged woman marries, it's not sinned. Of course not. Marriage is a gift. It's good. It's not a sin. But he says for this, but know this, and this is why we do premarital counseling. Those who marry will have worldly troubles. No amens allowed. I'll just, I'm not even going to go into illustrations on that one. Just know this, marriage is not always easy. Challenges, and then you throw some kids in there, little, little, you know, vipers and diapers. It just becomes <laughs> single, single dude, single, single gal. You have no clue what it is to have to go to Walmart at 3 a.m. because you can't find a thermometer because you got a kid burning up and puking everywhere. No clue, and that is good for you. You have a clean car. You get married with kids. You will never have that again. <laughs> you have some money. You will never have that again either. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just telling you, right? And I'm a little facetious, but not really, because I have four of them. But the idea that, you know, marriage is going to solve all your problems, 
That's why we do premarital counseling. And so he says, hey, it's a good thing because it'll save you some, some of these issues and struggles that you wouldn't normally have, right? There's trouble sometimes. And another thing he says, uh, in 32 through 35, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. It's not bad to want to please your wife. He's just saying you're, you're distracted. You have, you, you, you're, you have, your attention is, is here and there. Unmarried betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. Married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So I, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint on you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. What he's saying is singles, you have a unique opportunity wherever season you're in, high school, college, whatever, to, that you can be fully devoted to the Lord. So if Talavo says, I need a bunch of dudes, I need a bunch of ladies to go to camp in January and get on that big swing thing that you saw, Okay, if you're a single, you're like, I'm in. I got a weekend. It's a three-day weekend. I got off Monday. If you're married, you're like, ooh. Okay, I got kids. I got this. I got that. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. It's what he's saying. If we're like, hey, we need some, we need some folks to help out with young adults on Thursday nights. We need some of this. We, who wants to go to Costa Rica on a mission trip next March? I mean, the married guy's got like, oh, I got, you know, I got school payments and I got car payment and... And I don't know, if I go to Costa Rica and, and I leave my wife and four kids behind, she's going to be mad when I come back with a suntan and I'm like pictures of everything, right? It's just the reality that there's, hey, there's time and you don't, you, you can just go, right? And that's good. It's good to be married with children. It's good to be prioritizing your kids at home. You should be. But what he's saying is, hey, you don't have, if you're single, you don't have to worry about that. And, and the idea is this, y'all. Don't waste your singleness. Most of you that are single, you probably will, God, in this timing, have get married. But don't waste this great season you have now. Right? So I would love to see in this church. We need, I mean, the singles really hold up this church in a lot of ways. I'd, I'd love to see it more. I would love to see on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we got 50 kids from this neighborhood. We're feeding them. We're, we're doing their algebra or whatever their school they're reading to them. They're playing games. I would love to see some of you singles that have a little bit of margin. Because you have margin. You're like, oh, I don't have any time. No, 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 no. I don't have any time. You have time. Right? I'd love to, for you to come out on a Thursday afternoon for two hours and hang with some kids. I'd love for you to grab Talabo and say, hey, Talabo, what do you need me to do? You got high school every other Wednesday. I'd love, you go meet with these college students or these high school students for breakfast once a week. I'd love to see some of you singles go over here and, and, and hang out with some kids and sing and laugh and play and get hugs from them and all sorts. Of, I'd love to see that every Sunday. I'd love to see next Sunday when we kind of introduce you to some of these ministries for you to be like, dude, I love that. I want to get involved with that. That's great. Mentoring young men, I got that. Pregnancy center, I got that. We have a ministry to, to the uh, adult industry clubs. So we need some drivers, some men. You got a car? And a firearm, get on that team, right? Right, but, but the idea, don't be laughing, don't, you're killing me. Uh, the idea is, you got margin right now. Don't waste it. It's a great opportunity, great season for you to just see what God may do. The, and the call in 1 Corinthians 7 is not a call to be served, it is to serve. It's a call on all of us, but in a single life, especially, and here's the beauty here. You're, you're not worried about finding the right one, you're, you're worried about becoming the right one. That's what you want. And here's what Tommy Nelson says. When you're worried about that, when you're worried about becoming the right one, when you're running hard after Jesus and you're serving and you're giving your life away, once in a while, he says, you just look up and peek to the left and peek to the right and you see who's running with you. And that's the person you want to marry.
right there. I'm telling you. You, you want that guy, because look at the way he's giving his life away. You want light girl, look how sweet and kind she is. And she's cute too on top of that, right? That's the idea, right? And in the process of giving your life away and serving, you'll also actually be served, which is the, the beauty of the church, right? And so we got to start thinking of singleness, not as the absence of something, the lack of something, but the, the privileged season that some of, you, some of you are in. And some of you, God's going to call to be in for a long time, Right? But your singleness is just as much a picture of the gospel as marriage. Marriage pictures the gospel because Jesus is the head of the church and the husband leads and loves his wife like Jesus loves the church. I get that. That's great. It's beautiful. But singleness is a, an opportunity for you to proclaim the sufficiency of the gospel because you're saying that Jesus is enough. That my marriage to Jesus ultimately when he returns and he sets up the, the marriage supper of the lamb, that, that is what I look for. So whether he brings me an earthly spouse or not, I am content. And it's a way for you to proclaim the sufficiency of the gospel. Where a married couple, they, they picture the unconditional love of the gospel. They're both proclaiming who Jesus is. So just let me encourage you. Don't waste that season, y'all. It's a great season. Right? Challenges there? Absolutely. Challenges in marriage? Absolutely. Grass is not greener on the other side, I promise you. But it's good. Right? So that's the first guiding principle here for you guys. Here's the second one. Dating is a management of intimacy. It's a management of intimacy, right? And we talked about intimacy being the closeness of souls, right? It's deeper than just, it's, it's deeper than skin deep. And so that's the goal of marriage or oneness is and intimacy is there. But so in the church, we have different kind of relationships. Here's what Paul says to Timothy when he's writing, who is, remember Timothy's a single pastor living in Ephesus. We studied this book last spring. Do not rebuke an older man, encourage him as, as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older men as, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. He's kind of, this is the way the relationships in the church happen. So you got two extremes here. You have a relationship between husband and wife, which is hyper-intimacy. And then you have everything else, which is family. Brothers and sisters. Mothers and daughters. Right? Those are the two kind of extremes. And so what dating is, dating is the process of that guy and that girl who are sister and brother spiritually. And taking her from being spiritual sister to spouse. Now, that is a big jump. And you can be like, oh, that's kind of scary. It doesn't need to be scary. You just need to understand that it's, it, it is, it's a process that the God is kind of writing in your life. And that intimacy needs to be managed in that process. There's no formula for it, but there's no formula for marriage either. So to, to just understand that's okay, right? But the problem with modern dating, or one of the problems, is not technology. I'm not against ChristianMingle.com or farmermingle.com or any of those things, whatever, right? If you want to find a farmer spouse, that's fine. But the, the problem is the hyper-connecting that we see, and then we break apart. We get together for six weeks, six months, nine months, whatever. Whether we're physical or not, a lot of times we are. But we get together, break up. Get together, break up. Get together, break up. Get together, break up. And by the time we get married, that's happened so many times, there's consequences. We either become fearful so that we're so vulnerable that we can't connect, or we become callous so that we're reckless. So this hyper-connection, we're just not ready for it sometimes. We lead with intimacy. So the Song of Solomon, the, the uh, Shulamite, his wife says, I adjure you, listen to me, daughters of Jerusalem. Do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Don't go giving your heart away. Right off the bat, you, there's got to be a management of intimacy until the time is right. Then there needs to be some thoughtful, intentional management. We cannot lead with it. 
Because that's what's going on in our culture. Hyperconnection. We talked about it two weeks ago. Right? And here's what happens with us. This is the nature of us. We get hyperconnected to somebody, and that connection becomes the validation for that connection. Oh, we're so close. He's perfect. We talked all night long. He likes puppies. I like puppies. He likes pizza. I like pizza. He likes Bon Jovi. I like Bon Jovi. He wants to get a job. I want him to get a job. <laughs> and it's, the connection is the validation. And we treat it like it's some supernatural, miraculous thing. You spend enough time with somebody, you're going to connect. That's the nature of the human heart. We're, we're wired up that way. Right? And so if you're always with someone, always talking, all these things, of course you're going to connect. Of course you're going to feel close. But you have to manage that intimacy in the dating process. You got to connect in the right way, the right time, and have some guiding principles. The key is let intimacy lag behind. Guard your heart, right? The proverb says, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The heart is where life is. So you got to guard it. Don't just lead with intimacy, right? With closeness. Here's a chart that I kind of showed you guys two years ago. I think it's helpful for this. And if, so if you're here when we did Life of Abraham, uh, you saw it, but if you're not, um, but here, so we got two things on this little scale. You got objectivity and you got intimacy. If you can see that, there's a little red dot here, right? When you first meet someone, objectivity is way high and where's intimacy? It's way low, right? And the idea is this, that's good, right? But the more the, in, the, object, the, more the intimacy ball kind of gets higher, objectivity is low. This is good. This is called marriage. Right? The goal is to be here in marriage. You are super intimate, but you're not super objective. Why? Because when you've been married 30 years, you don't look the same as you did when you're 22. All right? You weigh about a couple pounds more, got a few hairs less. Right? But the idea is this is this is this is good. This is marriage. This is what you want. You're like, well, I don't want to get married. Then don't get on the chart. <laughs> Stay away from the opposite sex. Right? Go hang out with the boys. I don't care. But if you're on the, if you're like going out, then this is the, this is the idea. So what we have to do, the idea is we have to let this lag behind because the faster this ball drops, the more likely you are to marry a moron <laughs> because your objectivity is gone. We're so close. He likes puppies. Right? And so you have a unique window. You know, I don't know how, many, how long that is. But you have a unique window here to make a wise decision before you marry a moron. And so what I would say is, let intimate, don't connect so early that you're blind. This is why dating and community is so big. You've, you've, you've met, you know the friend that all, they met somebody and two weeks later they're just, they're just so enamored with that. They spend every night, every day. And you're like, that guy is a moron. How can she not see that? Because she's crossed that line and it's, it's too late. She's blind. She, she's, she's led with intimacy. He's led with intimacy and they don't see clearly. So that pace has to be managed. Now that's, I can't tell you exactly how because there's a lot of things that need to go into that discussion. Like how long do we have till we want to get married? Like, you know, if you're like, oh, we want to be married in three months, then you got lots of work to do. Right? But if you're like, oh, we, you know, we got two years, then you got to let this lag behind. If you're, if you're like, oh, I got med school and I got residency and she's got to go do that. And then you got like, we, earliest we could be married in six years. If you know you have six years, you best stay up here real slow. 
Better not be hanging out every night on the phone. I love you. Because it's going to get toxic and you're not going to be able to manage it. Just not. This is why I tell parents, I know this is right. I'm so radical and mean. But I just think, number one, dating in middle school is dumb. You're like, my daughter's sixth grade. She's got a boyfriend. Oh, I'm so cute. Really? No one 10 years later is like, that was a great decision. <laughs> I mean, we, we bought that house. Great decision. You got that job. Great decision. And we let little Sally date this in seventh grade. That was beautiful. That was a great decision. No one thinks that. You realize that 2% of high school sweethearts get married. Two. That's the statistics. I did the research this week. Right, and maybe that's off by 1%. Great. Three out of 100. So what, what we have to do as parents and high schoolers, I'm speaking to you, and I got two high schoolers, right? And I'm not anti-dating in high school, but I'm just telling you, you're in 10th grade, and you think that that guy is the man of your dreams. He, he's, not a, he's not a man yet, right? He doesn't know how to, don't expect him to be a husband, and don't expect him to be all these things. You got at least three years if you get married at 18, but if he's going to go to college, you're going to go to college. You're seven years out. That's a, that's a lot of intimacy to manage for a lot of time. And you're asking a boy who has worked 12 hours in his life to, to do that. That's challenging. You've got to have some wise discussions. You've got to be thinking about this. We'll talk about parents in a little bit. And I'm working through I don't know all the answers. I've got an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. So I'm learning as I go. I'm learning from others. But you got to ask questions. How do I honor God? How do I treat this as my sister and brother in the context of church for a season? How do I manage that intimacy? There needs to be clarity in this deal, right? And this is on you guys. I know we're not real super clear, but you are called to be the leader of this relationship and you need to be clear on where this is headed. I read a great quote this week. I'm going to read it so I don't get messed up, right? Ambiguity is the weapon of manipulation in dating. And, and the idea there is just, I don't, what's going on? I don't know. Whatever. If that's what the guy's saying or the girl, then get out, right? You need to be clear about where you're going, right? What's, what's your intentions? Where are the boundaries here, right? You got, you got to be clear on those things. I'm not saying that every time you guys go out, it's like, oh, what do you think? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? No, no, that's annoying. But there should be, she should never wonder where you are, guys, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, all these things, right? Um, you, she should not have to wonder where the boundaries in this relationship are, what your intentions are. You need to be clear through this process. And, and for goodness sakes, if you don't like each other, just be honest. I mean, you don't have to be like, you're ugly, by the way, I'm out. I mean, I'm not saying that. But the last thing we want is you dating some dude that you don't like because you don't want to hurt his feelings. How's that going to go in like six months? That's why you got to get honest on the front end, Right? You don't want a guilty day. Well, he's nice. I don't like him. Well, then tell him that up front. Don't go out with him, right? So there's some clarity as you just keep, let the intimacy lag behind is key. Have other friends. Don't be so exclusive. Every night, I talk to all of his fathers, because what's going to happen is it's going to fog your, your objectivity, right? Here's another principle. Right? And then another thing too, just on silent. Any, be very wary, singles, of anyone that you're dating that's trying to pull you out of your community, pull you away from your friends. Be aware, unless your friends are knuckleheads, right? But if that's your community and those people you trust and you respect, and they're trying to get you away from them, run, run. All right, next one. Look, we're looking for the right kind of one, not the one. 
Now, I know all Disney fans and romantics are like, there's the one out there. And all. If, you're, if you're so worried about finding the one, I mean, you're like, oh, if I stopped the time I shoot and I missed the bus, did I just miss the one and I missed my... No, you look for the right kind, not the right one. And as you're pursuing the right kind, God will bring the one. Right, is the idea. He's like, well, what's the right kind? Number one, the right kind is it's a Christian. No missionary dating. Well, if I just bring him to church, Pastor Bill, will, you know, Pastor Bill will win him to Jesus. Pastor Bill can't win anybody to Jesus. That's the Spirit of God thing. I don't care if they like my sermons or not. Right? That's not, that's not what we're talking about. Right? Um, see, the modern dating strategy seems to not work because we date to get to know people. Right? And I would suggest that we should flip that around, that we should get to know people first and then date. Because here's why that doesn't work. Because dating is the opposite of life. All married people know this, right? I mean, this is why married people have to go on dates to escape life. And this is why we, this is why we, this is why the bachelor fails. Give me an island in a helicopter. Of course, you're going to fall in love in 13 minutes. I love him so much. You just met him. I know, but it's just all oh, the man of my dreams. That's because you're in Tahiti with a, you know, remote-controlled shark pulling you around on a helicopter. I mean, it's the, right? And what happens? As soon as they go back to life at their jobs, they break up. Well, it just wasn't working out. It was the distance. No, you just didn't have the helicopter anymore. That's all. It's, dating is not real life because g- girls, let me, men They just lie. Just like, remember Nacho Libro? He says, everything you just said is my favorite thing to do every day. That's what men do. That's what they say. <laughs> All the men are like, shut up, Bill. No, this is the way it is. Most of life is not dating. This is why married couples go out and dates. I'm not saying dating is wrong. Dating is fine. You should go out and dates. But it seems that you should get to know people in a normal context so that you know what they're like. Right? Uh, and, and, and understand that that's okay. Right? That's, that's good. Um, go out and, and see so what happens if you know somebody, you have you know, some contacts, and there seems to be a mutual attraction. Huh, maybe we should go out on some dates. And there's some clarity there, and there's some, there's some you know, clear communication. And after a few dates, if you're like, eh, nah, kind of annoys me, choose them now up and whatever. Then you can stay, hey, we're still friends. We can still go to community group together. We can still serve together. Right? It just didn't work. It wasn't healthy. It's better to stay friends than get married. And if you're like, oh, maybe this has some legs. Maybe we should, should up the game and see each other exclusively. Then you have that conversation and you take some risk and you shoulder some risk. Right? But the idea that we date to get to know people doesn't seem to be working well because we fake it. Right? And so the best way to get to know people is just to do normal life with people. This is why serving together is good. This is why regular stuff. I mean, observe how someone is at work. You want a real good test? Go to Walmart with somebody, right? At like six o'clock on a Friday. See how they act in traffic. Go drive up and down Duren for an hour and a half on a Thursday afternoon. See how they have handled that. How do they talk about their roommates? How do they treat their mama? How do they treat waitresses and waiters, and service people, right? Hey, here's another, here's a big one. If they're only coming to church because of you, right? And, and, and there's nothing wrong with like, hey, I came to faith because I, I saw Sarah and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to go to church. And, and God got a hold of my heart. So God does that. So that. But if that's the only reason he's there, right, then, then 
You got to be wary. You got to see a little bit of spiritual legs on their own. You got to see that they, that they have an interest in spiritual things on their own, with or without you, right? Because that could be, that could be a way to just kind of, yeah, I love Jesus, but I love you. You know, it could be one of those things, right? And so just normal life, right? Normal life. It's good to have common friends. Not always possible, but it's good to have common friends that can see him, that can see her, that they know, oh, yeah, you guys are a good fit, or I don't know, right? But, but the idea of just doing normal stuff with people in community, it's, it's, it's important, right? Because that's life. Normal. Go watch him play competitive sports and see how he acts. That's how he is, right? right? So that, that's the idea, right? And understand this, too. And this, and this kind of is an obvious statement, but it is what it is. Opposites do attract, right? They do. Sometimes, very few, very rarely do I ever see a couple that marries their, their identical. I've seen a few in my life. Opposites attract. And behavioral science has done some good work here. I mean, not everything they do is good, but I mean, there's something inside of you when you lack something that is attractive about that to you. And that's great. It's a good thing. Right? Because that person can come along and strengthen you where you're weak, and you can be the same for them. But here's what you need to know. This is what you learn when you're just doing life. There is a dark side to that thing which you are attracted to. That's why when I do premarital counseling, I'm like, what annoys you about them? You're like, oh, he does this. That's going to drive you bonkers in six, me- six months. Just so you know. That doesn't mean it's like, oh, I better not marry him. No, it's, it's just good for you to know that that which sometimes you're attracted to actually has a dark side. So, so you're so attracted. He's, he's so decisive and he knows what he wants and he's driven and he works hard and I just love that about him. Right? That's great. Just know you're gonna, he's gonna run over you one time and make a decision that you're like, what? What do you even talk about that? He's gonna, he's gonna be working long hours sometimes and that's fine. And you love that she's so carefree and she... <clears throat> She just wants to go out and have fun and just wants to talk and that's great and just life and I, I, just a break from my seriousness. That's great. But when she doesn't make the bed and she's just like, why make the bed? We're going to sleep in it tonight. That's going to drive you bonkers <laughs> after about a month. So just know that this is called marriage. You lay down your rights, they lay down their rights and you give of yourself to the other. You're not the most important thing. They are. Right? So that's important to know. But you don't know that when you're just dating. When you're out, oh, tonight we're going to the vault. And I'll have a Pinot Grigio tonight. And tomorrow night I'm going to this. And then you only see that and you don't get in the grind. And so that's the idea, right? Um, You're not looking for a perfect person. You're looking for a person that can be perfectable. Somebody that can be moved. Somebody that can be changed. Somebody that's humble, right? There is no perfect person. Ladies, if you're looking for a 25-year-old really super mature dude, that is a very rare find. I'm not, I'm not slamming 25-year-old dudes. I'm just saying, God's process of growing men is called marriage sometimes. That's how they grow. That's how they are sanctified. And so don't go expecting, oh, look, John Piper at 24 years old. Yeah, of course. He don't exist. Right? That, so you want someone that can be moved, not necessarily someone that's perfect. Right? Look out for people who are never sorry. Someone who, who says, since you're wrong, I'm right. Rarely in marriage is everyone always right. I mean, even if you're 99% right, you have a 1% wrongness in there somewhere. Right? And so, men, your job, pursue three Ps. Pursue, protect, provide. So, ladies, you're looking for someone who can pursue you, 
protect you, provide for you. He's got to protect your purity. If he is pushing the envelope physically now, you need to dump him because he's not guarding your heart, right? If he's making you set the boundary line, then he may not be ready to be married, right? And I'm not saying that, ladies, you, have, you shouldn't say, no, this is this, and you should have some say there, but I'm, I'm saying if he is pushing you in an uncomfortable position, then he's not guarding your heart. He is not protecting you, and he won't down the road, right? That's the idea. If he's not willing to serve now, he ain't going to be willing to serve later. If you're like, hey, why don't we go and we can do this with the kids in the neighborhood? Eh, nah, I'm going to go hang out with my boys and shoot pool. Then you know he doesn't have a servant's heart. Now, God could change that, but you just need to know that. So you're looking for someone who's laying down his life, who's not stuck on himself, who's not checking his Instagram every five minutes because he wants to see how many likes he has. He's not afraid to lead, to take some leadership. If he's always like, you're like, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? No, I'm not saying he should decide everything, but if he's afraid to take leadership, you're going to have to coddle him. And if you have to coddle him into becoming something, you think you're going to make him into the man of your dreams, he's going to be the man of your nightmares. 15 years. So you need to encourage him to get in some community. For ladies, guys, you're looking for a lady, you know, the kind of core value that, that she's an encourager. She's going to bring strength to this marriage. That's her job. She is the one who comes alongside and adds strength. And so is she an encourager or is she super critical? Is she comfortable or is she always jealous? Not, again, we're not talking perfect, but you just see these, these ideas. Does she understand that beauty is, is important and, and she wants to be attractive, but at the same time it's skin deep? Because we're all going to be 80 sometime. Don't look like I'm 22 anymore. Right? So understanding those things. Does, is she kind? Does her kindness touch others? Just some things to be looking. And again, do it in community, right? Uh, there's tons of resources out there. I mean, there's just one that I found that I think is kind of in, in a pretty simple English. This guy named Ben Stewart wrote this book. Um, he was over Breakaway Ministries at Texas A&M for 10 years or something like that. They had like thousands of singles. And so uh, it's a good resource for some of you guys. If you're like, hey, I want to kind of go a little bit deeper. There's tons of other ones out there. But I think this one's kind of read some, some, some good uh, just pieces of it. It's super readable. Some stuff's super deep. This is very practical. So that's a good resource for you. Mingling of souls. We've looked at before with, with Chandler. But just that, that's a, those are good things to go with intentionality as you are dating with somebody, right? One more principle too. And here's the last one. Um, and this is a biggie. It's, it's keep your relationship honorable. And we've been dealing with this for five weeks, so I don't need to go deep diving on this one. Because here, here's the thing. You cannot build singles future oneness now, okay, you can't build it, but you can destroy it. You can be 16 years old and, and, and heading in a trajectory that's going to damage the intimacy in your marriage 10 years from now, if you're not careful, right? So you need to know that. And again, what we're trying to do for those folks is avoid the crisis. Again, the crisis may, you know, this is why we like The Bachelor again, because we like it when they break up and like, oh, good, I'm glad he dumped her and not, you know, we're trying to avoid that. Right? And so just a couple verses to think about. Ephesians 5.3. Sexual immorality, it's that Greek word, pornea, and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. Think about that language. It shouldn't be named. Not like, eh. Not named. This is proper as what? As saints, as, as literally the holy ones. And so the idea is, is and here's what we do, because this is the question I get all the time from high school students, college students, even singles. How far is too far? That's a bad question. Because you're asking, how close can I get to sin without sinning? When the question should be, how can I make this relationship so distinct 
that the world stands back and thinks, how great is Jesus? That's the question, right? And so we get, I get all this discussion, and I'm like, you know, well, can we do it? And, and I would say this. All the physical things that are involved in a couple, right? Not just the one flesh relationship. Everything physical, God created all that stuff to lead to that one flesh relationship. You know, so my, when I was growing up, it's like first base, second base, third base, whatever, right? First base was created by God too. So was third base. So was second base. And those things are all designed for that one flesh relationship. They are good. And those are the on-ramp to that. And, and to use the metaphor, no one's going to leave church today, get on the Truman, speed up to 60 miles an hour on the on-ramp, and then slam on the brakes. Because you're going to kill yourself and someone else. But this is what singles try to do. Well, we're not going to go all the way, so we're just going to get on the on-ramp and we're going to slam on the brakes. You're going to kill yourself and someone else. If you're not married, get off the Truman. That's the idea, right? And if you can't read my metaphor, then come up afterwards and I'll talk to you later, all right? <laughs> I'm trying to be moderately, you know, yeah, just nice. But, and you're like, well, that's kind of extreme. Is it, though? Is it? Because I can tell you as a, as a guy... To get on the on-ramp, it's, 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 it's temptation that does not need for his soul, and it's hard to lead in purity in that. So you you got to have a standard of something. There's got to be some boundaries. I think the boundary is don't get on the trim. Right? That's why I'm always in favor of quick engagements. Right? Once you figure out this is the guy, this is the girl, great. Let's do it. Not like two years later we're getting married. Really? Two years? You're going to manage all that intimacy for two years? I don't think so. It's, too, it's challenging. If, you know, if he's the right guy, he's the right girl, man, let's go. Let's, let's get it on in six months, eight months, whatever it is, right? That's my opinion. That's not a Bible verse, but I think I'm right. All right. <laughs> As I often do. Um, okay, one more verse. Just to, We've looked at this one. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from immorality. There it is, that you stay away from it. And again, it's not because God is anti-pleasure. It's because God is for pleasure, and he wants fulfillment there. Remember, God is good. God's design is good. God's authority is good that you possess, that you control your body in holiness and honor. Just ask the question, daters, singles, right? High schoolers, it, how can I make Jesus look great in this dating relationship? That's the heart of it. That's what we're asking, right? That's what we want people to see. That's the goal, right? And so keep that out front. And ask yourself, for those who are dating, does Jesus look great because of this relationship? And if not, great, here's what we do. We talked about it last week. It's called repentance. If God is saying, here's where I am. This is, this is the good news for all of us. For who have failed, who have been you know, struggling, who are feeling guilty. I mean, last week's sermon is perfect for this. That when God says, hey, this is where you missed the mark. What do we do? We confess our sin. We repent. And then we go this way. We put our faith in the finished work of Jesus who died for our sins in our place. He took all that on himself. He rises again. He says, now, if you put your faith in this, you have redemption. You have reconciliation for me and God. You have cleansing. You have justification. And then you move in the direction, the new direction. That's repentance. Some of you need to move in that direction. Some of you need to, to make that, I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to own it. I did it, and I'm done. I'm going this way now. And that's, that's what we want. That's the heart of this whole series. I know some people, oh, I feel guilty. It's not to feel guilty. It's to find hope. It's to find redemption. It's to find God's, his, ultimately, his, his design for all these things. And so that's where we want That's what we want our church to be. Right? For teenagers, I know you, I can't fathom. It's 
so challenging. I don't know if I'm raising teenagers. It's a new world. I mean, when I was back in there, he's like, you want to go out with me? Yeah, we're going out, right? Now it's got stages and we're talking. I don't know if you know what talking means. We're talking. And, and they're not really talking because all they do is text. So we're texting. I don't know what we're doing. You got Instagram they got to manage. I got ex-boyfriend. I'm friends with my ex-boyfriend. Do I unfriend him? But if I unfriend him, I'm being petty. So when he posts something, I like it so that I show him that I'm not being petty. But then everyone thinks, do you like him still? Because you like this like. And it's just a world I don't know how to deal with. So I get it. It's hard. And, 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 I, and, and know that we're praying for you and we're here for you. And if you failed and you've messed up, that's why Jesus came. Wherever you're all at, that's why Jesus came. That's our hope. For you guys who are married, let me just say this. Singles, let me say this too to you. You need to get, if you, you want to prepare yourself for marriage, go hang out with some marrieds. You're like, it kind of doesn't make sense because if I want to meet singles, I got to, you know, look. We're going to have our young adult stuff start back up. It used to be CBC and X. Now we're calling it young adults. That's a place for you to connect. Really would love for a bunch of you to get there. But here's the deal. Just having another place for you to connect is not going to further you down the discipleship process. You want to learn how to be a great husband or wife? Go hang out with married people. Because what's going to happen in that context is you're going to see things that are like, man, I really like that he does that for her. And then you're going to start to know what you should be looking for and what you like and what you don't like. And as you do that, you'll actually start becoming that and become more attractive to that person who's looking for that. So that, that'll actually be helpful for you, right? And, and for marrieds, I would say this, especially if you're an empty nester or you're kind of that newly married and you don't have the kids. Because everything in between, it's busy and I get it. And I'm not, you're not off the hook. But we need to do a better job doing life with singles. We just do. Right? Because what we have often is like five different churches. So you have the singles, right? the young singles maybe even, and they go, and they go hang out. They're not at Foxy Loxy. Right? That's where they are. Right? That's, that's hipster place. And then you get the married with like two kids, and they're all down at Chick-fil-A. Right? Hanging out, using free slidings with babysitters. Right? And, and, and we rarely interact because we're like, I can't go to Foxy Loxy because I have two kids. And they're like, we can't go to Chick-fil-A because there's too many kids. And so we rarely interact. And we need to do a better job at that, at pursuing each other, right? So we don't have this distinct. It's okay. We're always going to gravitate to people like us. That's great. We do that. But sometimes we need to cross over because you, si singles can learn a ton from us. And you have an opportunity to encourage them in a season that's very difficult. And even challenge them and say, hey, if you keep doing it on this road in 10 years, you might not be super happy with that. Right? And you can learn a ton from them because you got this 27-year-old, you're like, dude, he's a rock star. What did your parents do to make you a rock star? I want to do that to my 14-year-old. Or maybe, oh, he didn't learn this, and my 13-year-old's not learning this. I can learn. There's a ton we can learn from each other. So grab somebody, right? Jump into a group. Right? You're like, oh, there's not a lot of singles there. I get that, and we're trying to connect you guys sometimes. But there's also a need for us to be all together. So that's just some encouragement for all of us. I've said a lot. I'm not an expert. But I did get married, so I'm happy. I'm glad. So um, if you have questions, hey, we can do it. You can, we, we, you can do it. We can help. We'll, we'll help you grind more. Um, but hopefully these principles, just a little bit, will give you some guidance. But understand, singleness is gift. It's good. Right? You're looking for the right kind, not the, not the, the one. Keep that relationship pure. Manage that intimacy. Right? Don't lead with it. Let me pray and we'll worship. Father, I thank you for... Um, just whatever season we're all in, we know that you're good. Uh, your design is good. I pray uh, for those who are struggling that want to be married, Lord, and that is a good and godly desire, that, that you would give patience and that you would bring that person at the right time. I pray for those who may be single again, 
uh, not by their own doing, but they just are, and, and it's hurtful, and, it, and it, there's pain there. I just pray that you uh, would comfort like only you can. For those struggling with purity, it's a huge issue. Uh, Lord, and I just pray for repentance, and I pray for, for self-control, which comes by your Spirit. Uh, and I pray for those who are, just have guilt. Um, maybe they haven't put their faith in you. Maybe there's just, it's just deep that they would see the sufficiency, Lord Jesus, of you and your sacrifice on their behalf. That you are victorious, that you reign, um, that you are sufficient. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.